Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. God bless you, Get Woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID-free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, continuing in the vein of win with black women. Before that was a hashtag. Sisters lead, sisters vote was an organization. So this is not new. Black women are finally getting their recognition, but black women have been toiling in the vineyard for years. And so we're honored uh, to talk when with black women today with an organization that predates when with black women, Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote. The president of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote joins us right now, Holly, holiday. Holly, how are you? Welcome to Make It Plain. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I am uh, feeling energized, a little bipolar, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> why Why bipolar? You know, because I'm energized. I do voting work and we, we were talking before about census work. Uh, I'm excited because the energy of this election uh uh, there's that song, It Feels Like the First Time. Um, it feels like the first time in a long time that we've had this level of energy. And so I'm so excited. I've been in this work for more than 20 years and 
this level of energy uh, to an old jaded person like myself is really makes you feel like this is what you get up for. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we have things like the census with the Supreme Court this week. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, and yet we have so far to go. So I don't know if you can feel those things in the same moment, uh, but that's where I'm sitting today. And add to that the PTSD from 2016 and other stuff. I mean, like you said, we got new PTSD from the census and the spring. You said an old jaded person, old. (laughs) You younger than me, aren't you? I'm almost 50, so not that You're younger young. than me, Holly. You ain't old. I'm old. Uh, I'm aging. I'm aging. <laughs> well, but I'm being honest. <laughs> and that's one of the things about us as Black people, yes. Black women. Yes. We age. I mean, what we deal with in struggle and stress, it, it does put, I mean, because I, I feel like I'm aging, right? Yes. Sitting in this chair. So, yes, yes, same. <laughs> This pandemic has added some years on me. And, and unfortunately, Holly, before it's all over, we might find that Zoom is aging us too. So I don't I, I listen. <laughs> but the only benefit it, is that I only have to deal from this up. So I, I get some relief at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let me ask you that though, in terms of the pandemic and COVID, you and your family, loved ones, you all okay? Everybody we safe are, healthy? We are blessed. We are well. Um, for the most part, we have made it through unscathed. Um, unfortunately, uh, I did have a godson about a month ago who was the victim of gun violence and lost his life. So we're still, you know, that's the thing. There's COVID, but then there's all the things that were happening to us anyway. Um, and those things still occur. So, yeah, we are blessed. You know, um, I work also with uh, my mentor and friend and leader, uh, yes. Melanie Campbell. Yes. And so, you know, she's recovering from COVID. So we have been hit that way. And, um, and it just is a just in your face reminder um, that we just have to be more careful and be more intentional about what we're doing. And uh, it does put an extra burden on us, uh, but it's important. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and and appreciate your your work and steadfastness. And of course, we love Melanie. I call her a mentor as well. But yeah. but let's, let's do this. Let's just start, because this is kind of hot right now. The Supreme Court upheld Trump's decision to end the census early. Yes. And a couple. So is any wonder that people are concerned about him getting another justice on the court? Yes, exactly. It's, it's no wonder. And, and, and more importantly, you know, the one thing I can say, I'm sure you've been watching the hearings, uh, probably side eyed in the hearings a little bit like I have been. And I've been very uh, concerned that no one has brought this particular point to the conversation, that we have that type of ruling in the week that we are questioning a potential justice, um, the impact that it has on our democracy. Um, Census, like voting, should be one of the purest forms of our civic engagement that has been tainted and politicized in a way that in the 
hundred plus years of the census we've never seen. And yet that doesn't even enter the conversation by either the Democrats or the Republicans as they question the next justice. And it was the justice uh, justices that made this decision to push us into this situation. Um, so I'm disappointed. I, I mean, there's so many levels there. I'm just disappointed all the way around. Inform our audience, if you will, what was the Supreme Court's justification for ending it early? Basically, um, you know, just to keep it simple, because mm -hmm. uh, I'm an attorney, so I could get really crazy with it. But the, the simple truth is that they simply just said that the administration it was in their purview to make that decision. And they upheld the rights of the administration as an executive branch uh, to manage the census in the way that they see, saw fit as long as it was in uh, the confines of the law. And technically it is. Um, however, uh, what they had done was to offer some extension um, in relationship to the pandemic. Um, and so, whereas the lower court and even the Ninth Circuit uh, said, yeah, there is rationale for there to be uh, some additional consideration. Uh, the Supreme Court said, no, we're not even going to say that a pandemic should alter the power of our administration, essentially. And so that they were operating well within their rights to make that choice, uh, that they operate on behalf of the American people because that's who voted them in. And so here we are. But how are you operating on behalf of the American people if you're not counting all of the American people? And not only that, Holly, help us understand the impact this will have because the census determines the right. allocation of resources in all our communities. It could be catastrophic, which is why we lean back on, you know, you know, I, I have this, as Sisters Lead Sisters Vote, I, I often am asked to speak about this election. And I remind people um, that Trump has a lot of strategies to win. He can suppress the vote. He, does, he, can, he can insert disinformation. He targets wedges and, and seeks tools of division and dissension. And people can just straight up vote for him. Mm -hmm. But as people of justice and conscience, we have only one strategy, and that's just to vote him out. That's it, that's all. And we have to double, triple, quadruple down on that strategy. Um, and that's really our only recourse at this point. Um, we don't have the power to appoint justices. We don't really even, I mean, you know, in theory, the, the courts are not really acceptable uh, to public opinion, although I don't think people should stop lifting their voices up there. We only have the power of our vote in this particular situation. And with that vote can come some remedies to this situation, uh, which is why I go straight to the vote. Um, Congress can decide, um, because Congress has the power to overrule the administration, um, can decide to put in uh, uh, supplemental measures. And there's precedent for this. We saw this after Katrina with the census uh, because uh, it was very difficult to do census taking in 2010 because of Katrina residents being scattered. Uh, a supplemental process was instituted so that New Orleans would have the resources that it needed to rebuild. Now that was not a perfect process, 
but it certainly made sure that they had resources that they would not have otherwise had if they had gone by that original census count because literally no one was there. Um, so we do have some precedents for this. And um, those are the kind of things that we may need. And then also in dealing with apportionment, the Congress can say, you know, the report that's issued by the census around apportionment is not complete. And they can direct the census to go back and submit a more completed report. None of these are optimal, but at least they give us some remedy um, to begin to get some of the power that we may be losing by having an incomplete census. But none of that happens if we don't do things different in this election. And so when you talk about what Congress can do, that means we need the Senate too. That means right? we need the Senate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very important. Uh, when would, if it stayed the way it was supposed to, when would this census have ended? Yeah, that's the kick in the butt of it all. It would have ended October 31st. So we're really fighting over two weeks, but two very important weeks, especially when you think of the fact um, that we have an increase in census participation rising between two and four percentage points a week. Let me tell you, put that in context. In cities with more than a million people, African-Americans have been undercounted, undercounted from the national average uh, by upwards of 15%. So gaining an additional two to four percentage points over two weeks puts us 8%. It, it helps us to close that gap. So those are the kinds, and that's where, and it's in those kinds of communities where we saw the undercount that these extra efforts were being focused. So let's be very clear. We got we got we got the majority community counted. We're 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 in fact our response rate nationwide is higher than 2010. But it's who we counted that we're thinking that we that that they're that they understand. And when we count people that are in a majority community and we leave out those who are in minority communities or those who are our, our low income communities in the places where we know we need the most resources and are the hardest to reach. We discount kids under five. Uh, that's where you start to see the gap. Mm -hmm. Boy, you mentioned the hearings for the Supreme Court nominee and how you write, this has not come up. But the person that brings us together today I thought she did a masterful job because the Democrats have been wise, I think, Holly, in focusing on the Affordable Care Act. I agree. Um, but what our candidate did, Kamala Harris, she tied the Affordable Care Act really to road when she yeah. cross-examined and talked about, you know, women because of um, we talk about mammograms, maternal mortality, all of that. This is going to disproportion, disproportionately affect women if you get rid of the ACA. And then this person's on the record. Yeah. On how you said you were attorney. Somebody say they're against Roe. We don't need to ask them what they're going to do. We know what she's going to do. And this is going to disproportionately affect women and double disproportionately affect Black women, isn't it? Oh, no question. Um, and, 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 and let's let's just talk about that for a minute. I mean, we are already disproportionately affected. Um, we no longer have 
the healthcare facilities in our communities that would allow us to have access to quality reproductive health, including abortions. So already our access has been denied. Mm -hmm. um, and now our rights are going to be denied on top of that. It's just uh, heinous to even think about. And the responses of, um, uh, of, of, of Amy Cohen Barrett in, in terms of this not being a super precedented case and, and suggesting that we haven't had a lot of, uh, a lot of upholding of Roe is just you know, short-sighted to say the least. And I would also mention the through line between ACA, Roe, and then also connecting to COVID makes this even more heinous. Um, because again, all of these things are life and death situations. Um, and so when you say your life is on the ballot, that is definitely true. Yeah, no question about it. Um, what led you to support Kamala Harris um, on the ticket? Well, first of all, the two of you are a part of the same organization. Is it sorority? Yes, we're part of the same sorority and we're part of the great Howard alumni. Howard alumni, that's right. And that sorority, some people say that sorority is a pretty big deal. Is that true? Is that a pretty big deal? I think, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, I will admit my bias, uh, but let me say this. Uh, to <laughs> this year, I celebrate 25 years as a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. It's a very big deal to me. Yes, ma'am. Um, it's a very big deal. Um, I My mother was an AKA. Uh, I have many of my family members, so it is not just about... Um, the organization itself is very, very personal to me. Um, but I think that is the experience that most people who choose to affiliate in Greek letter organizations have. It is, it is, both, uh, it is both a place of consciousness as well as uh, family and friendship and sisterhood or brotherhood, however the case may be. And I think we all collectively have a kinship in this moment um, that this, this just happens to be an Alpha Kappa Alpha woman, but it could have been any one of what we affectionately call the D9. And I think we all would have risen to the occasion to understand that this is a moment of unity. But, but it's also important that she's a D9 because what's the disinformation campaign about? And that's been my pet thing. Yeah. She's not really black. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned, you know, your age. I don't know when folk from Jamaica stopped being black. Everybody I've known. How <laughs> I many Jamaican folk we known? That just wasn't even great. But anyway, but especially a Howard alone <laughs> and an AKA. How much more black can you get? Now, <laughs> you got your black card at platinum. <laughs> the first black president, Bill Clinton, didn't have none of that. He tried. He wanted to be one of us. The second black president, Barack Obama, didn't pledge and didn't go to HBCU. So what are we talking about here? But but what what drove you to throw your support behind this vice president? Well, I'm gonna tell you, um, Sisters Lead Sisters Vote was founded on the principle of black women's leadership at the highest level. And when we started the organization in 2018, it was because we were seeing a historic number of black women running for office, um, being unfairly um, criticized and put in positions that were untenable 
and not having anybody come to their defense. Mm -hmm. And so we started with this principle of our goal is to see a black woman on the Supreme Court and a black woman in the White House. So even from 2018, we had that as part of our mission. Um, um, So to be honest, we started with um, we started with that concept and then we start to see how it started to unfold. So we thought, okay, we have this very diverse group of people running. So of course there's going to be a lot of opportunities for pushback and so forth like that. And it did happen a little bit during the primary, but once we got past the primary, what we started to see, and especially when the fever around possibly having a black woman on the ticket, mm-hmm. That's that took it over the top for our organization. And we were fortunate that we were not alone in that. And I will tell you the moment where I knew it w- this was going to be something different uh, was the mayor from Virginia who tweeted out about Aunt Jemima being on the ballot mm. and Joe Biden picking Aunt Jemima. He was from a little small town in Virginia and it wouldn't have ordinarily have even gotten any press. But because as Black women, we were so hyper-vigilant, that almost became a rallying cry. Um, Mm -hmm. And we were already talking to each other informally. There were already pockets of us meeting here and there and everywhere. But after that moment, that was galvanizing. And that really um, helped to bring what we now know as um, hashtag win with Black women, or as we refer to it, Black Women United together. Um, And I'm not by any means taking credit for bringing them together, but I am excited uh, that I was part of one of the early adapter groups because it quite frankly just fit into the mission of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote. So we could not be there. And I say that to say that our uh, advocacy did not start out uh, for Senator Harris specifically. Our advocacy started out and, 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 and really is the genesis of supporting Black women's leadership, period, hard stop, and unapologetic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it grew to be her in terms of her selection. And we continue to be vigilant about the unfair uh, criticisms and fights and things that she has going on. I mean, you know, like no sooner than she's nominated and we see this Joe and the whole stuff come up and we have to shut it down, Um, you know, and, and many other things. And I'm happy to say, Uh, And I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm so excited about this opportunity um, to just be in this moment. You know, what 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 our organization has contributed is that we um, we've been doing and hosting a lot of digital events around this. So before she was chosen, we laid out a record um, with several of our media friends um, and spent two hours just devoted to why black women are viable in the highest office. And we brought in people from every sector to lay out the argument. And literally about two days after that, she was chosen and we were immediately, we redeployed and took to social media and held a four hour telethon (laughs) to talk about how excited we were Uh, We between those two events, we got over a million views on social media and we did that intentionally, just like with the fundraising to show that when you choose a black woman, you choose someone who comes with some back. 
you are not just out here picking someone random, but someone who has a large constituency that's not going to just show up, but show out. And this is our opportunity to show our political strength. And we are ready for this moment. Yeah, no, you most certainly are. And, and that's welcome um, and necessary and deserved because we know how Black women have toiled in this venue. But let's let's go here. The people that are most being targeted at the moment for disinformation are African-American men. Yes. So as proud as I am of Black women, uh, as proud as I am of Kamala, as much as I embrace this moment as a Black male feminist myself, from your point of view, what would you say to black men who are being disinformed and propagandized? You know, now, for example, oh, she's married to a white man. Well, now Ice Cube's married to a white man, Trump. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lord. But, what but, but, but see, that's, but that's an example of disinformation. He got pulled in and then he was going to keep it a secret. And then Trump put it out there. That's how, that's why you can't sleep with the enemy, right? Yeah. So, what would you say to some of the brothers who were saying, oh, uh, and, and if they're not against her, what many of them have been mostly propagandized to believe is that all of a sudden voting don't matter. It mattered to get Barack Obama in. What happened in four or eight years that all of a sudden it doesn't make a difference, it doesn't matter when we're on the precipice of finally having a black woman in the second highest office of the land. What would you say to black men? I would say follow black women, black men. <laughs> follow black women, black men. Pressure uh, affects different communities different ways. Um, and I think that um, women, uh, especially coming out of uh, the Barack Obama experience, where we were excited and energized around that presidency. It was a place and an opportunity where we were able to really show our voting power, but we weren't really as organized as we probably should have been or could have been to get and demand the things that we needed to get out of that presidency. And so we walk away um, and some say, well, he didn't do this or he didn't do that. But I also recognize that we, we, you know, Barack Obama was a little bit of anomaly just politically because he didn't come through the tr traditional political channels. And you note that he didn't come out of traditional black community spaces. And so while we championed him, there was also a part of us that was getting to know him in the same way that America was getting to know him. Um, that is not the case in this situation. And since we had that experience first, we learned <laughs> and we got smarter and we said, okay, what we didn't do in 2008 and what we didn't do and weren't able to do in 2016, we're ready to do in 2020. And so I think you see that as an evolution. Um, I have not seen the same energy in the black male space. Uh, I'm not a black man, so I'm not going to speak for them because I would not want them speaking for me. Um, but I will say, say that I have also observed that Black men are more victimized uh, by the white supremacist structure of division and are um, 
propagandized to be more individual in their advocacy and less collective. Um, and I think that has hurt us as a people overall. Um, and I think black women who have uh, gone through the leadership of individualism um, throughout the, you know, I'll just go back of 40 years throughout the civil rights period said, well, we know that does not serve us in the end the way we want to. So we're doing it different. Um, so yeah, black men follow black women because we're not exclusionary. We're very inclusionary and we're ready to lead with the people who are ready to be leaders. Yeah, no, that's, that's very well put. And, and a very, a lot of people are afraid to say what you said about Barack Obama. I mean, we're not supposed to say that, but that's real. I mean, if we're going to have a very- That's as politically correct as I can get, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, I think I think you laid it out well, because when we hear from black men who say we don't have nothing, ain't nothing out here for us. They're saying that right in, in, in the aftermath of the first black president. So you say people are saying that without saying it. We have to assess that. Why? Why do we how do we elect a black president and then we have so many black men saying, well, we now want to disengage. That ain't supposed to be that way. The first black male president is not supposed to lead to black male, black men being disengaged. And again, I'm not saying that's all on him. I think, you know, you laid it out. That's on us. So that's the other thing too, though, Holly, address this if you would. And as you all did, really, um, there were several dynamic black women but then Chris Dodd says, but this particular one is too ambitious. And I think by saying that, he may have assured first election. <laughs> because, look, you set everybody else up. So if you pick another sister, they're like, well, what are you saying about me? I'm not ambitious. I, you know, I'm just going to lay up here and not say nothing. So he kind of made that happen. And, and, and that, I think what you all did with the letter, and then the 100 black men, including myself, to sign on. See, I think what we proved that it does make a difference when you make some noise. It's not that nobody hears you. Them folk heard us, and so they turned that ship in the right direction. And again, you know, Sisters Lead Sisters Vote actually coordinated a group of black women uh, prior to Black Women United back in February mm -hmm. to lay out the case uh, that a black woman should be considered for vice president. Amen. Um, and we had over 2000 signatories on there, including many of the women who are now affiliated with Black Women United. And so the ambitious comment, the Aunt Jemima comment, and there are many, many other things that happened right in that space mm -hmm. were just fueled to the fire to refresh um, um, that vigor. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I will tell you, that this is not the first time we are seeing this. Which you, the, the difference between what we've seen in the past and what's happening now is that Black women got organized and organizing makes all the difference in the world. That's right. And we had a couple of things happen leading up to this. Let me, let me share this too. I mean, you know, where we had to defend against Maxine Waters when Nancy Pelosi came after her for her comment about the children being locked in cages and that being untenable and then uh, and, and so we we stepped up and defended there, uh, dealing with um, 
uh, dealing with the Supreme Court nominees, the two prior to this one. We had to step in there because, again, um, Senator Harris was being attacked for her comments being made. So, I mean, we've been sort of practicing or working out, if you will, and flexing this muscle of protecting Black women's leadership voices in a collective way uh, for since our inception and really feeding into that energy. And so, you know, this all happened at a time when we're ready and we're not, and, and I will say, not only are we ready for this moment, but we are in preparation for the next. And I think that's just as important. Um, this election is in 19 days and we are ready uh, to pivot um, to make sure that the things that we have talked about and the things that we know that are important for our community are actually getting addressed. Mm, yeah, no, I like that. I'm following black women. I'm with y'all. We can be with each other. <laughs> I'm at a disadvantage. I mean, I'm not at a disadvantage. I'm at an advantage, I should say, because I was just raised like that, Holly. I, I don't, you know, I tell people all the time, I was married twice, and in both those instances, I didn't ask the women to marry me. They told me I was going to marry them, so I'm used to following. Y'all tell me what to do. Yeah. You tell me what to do on this interview, I'm just going to do it. But, but that's just, I'm just trained that way. But I, so you think you're feeling, you know, it's, it's a little bipolar, but you overall feeling confident. You feel like. I feel really confident about the election. I'm confident. Um, we, um, uh, uh, the National Coalition just released research this week, Wednesday, around how Black women are and the issues that are important to them. Um, and the number one issue that they talk about is racism and hate crimes. And so that to me says we get it. And that to me says we come with a different kind of energy. And, 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 and while you definitely see black women in these lines, when you see those videos of those lines, those lines are very integrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'm excited. And I'm going to say this, while the brothers have been targeted, they have been while they have been victimized, they have been, they also are using this moment to express their power and they're showing up. Now, some of them, Ice Cube, we'll get you the memo later, <laughs> maybe not in the best ways, mm -hmm. uh, but even then, you know, I have to compliment Ice Cube for this. He put out the contract with Black America. He, uh, he, he did what he thought was a good thing because his contract is not bad in terms of engaging the people in the race. But what he doesn't understand is that celebrity is not the same as political power and influence. And so you can't expect people to respond to you as a celebrity as if you are a political power broker. Those are two separate things. And so I think understanding that construct, and I'm not defending them because at this, there was a point and still is a point where I think the Biden-Harris campaign needs to be talking to everybody, Lottie Dottie and anybody. Um, and they should have paid. And, and that was a miss on their part to not uh, fully consider it, but also short-sighted because, you know, you can't just be leveraging power. Now, on the other, now, I'm, you know, here I'm a lawyer. I can argue both sides. Uh, sure. What I do appreciate, though, is that our vote is not being taken for granted. I hate that it's not being taken for granted on the backs of people who are as popular as Ice Cube. And I'm a big fan myself um, because I think it confuses us in a time when we don't really need the confusion. Mm -hmm. uh, but we will persevere through this as well. So you, you feel in general 
because that's another one of the knocks that Democratic candidates take us for granted. You feel that the Biden-Harris ticket, um, even though you acknowledge they probably didn't handle the ice cube situation as well as they could have, but you you would make the case that you feel that they are not taking the black vote for granted. I would say this. In the history of presidential politics, we have not seen a campaign that has more thoughtfully considered the African-American community. We are not where we need to be. We are not yet in a place of power that we deserve, but we are much better than we were in 2016 and far better than we've ever been before. But that power does not become come to be only because it's the right thing to do. It comes to be because again, I go back to we're organized, we're pushing the button, we're pushing the conversation, we're showing up and we're saying, you will listen to us. You will be a part of us. I remember, um, you know, us fighting um, an issue even with ACA and trying to get into the speaker's office with um, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, another mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, we just going to stand here and pray. We just going to stand right here and pray. And she stood and she prayed and they got in because uh, the people didn't know the security people didn't know what to do with all these black women standing in the hall praying. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what you have to do. It's not one strategy, it's all strategies. And that's mm -hmm. what we've learned and that's what we're demonstrating. Um, and that's why I say, I'm not only excited about this moment, uh, but God help them if they don't recognize that it's gonna be a new day because uh, the fury will come out um, and we're ready to protect, defend and fight for what's next. And, and, and the other thing I will say about it is, it's a righteous fight because it's not a fight of individualism. It's a fight of community. It's a fight of the collective. It's a fight for not just ourselves to excel, but for our community. And I think that comes with us being the nurturers of the community and the mothers of the community. We no more want to see our daughters uh, disparaged as we do our sons. And so <laughs> we'll make sure um, and we will and we are making sure that as many people that get brought to the table that need uh, care will get it, mm -hmm. um, that need to be considered will get it, that need to be seen will get it. Yeah, yeah, wow, powerful, indeed. Um, God help them, she said, y'all. God help them. <laughs> I mean that, God help no, them. No, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm right, I told you, I'm, I'm here to follow. So folks, Holly. I'm the minor Holly. player, so imagine what the big wigs are saying. <laughs> I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle tier of people. So imagine what the folks that are saying that's been that have cultivated power um, right. with many of the people that are part of our group have done. This is this is a time like no other. And and I think that that people are starting to really recognize that. So before we go. Yes. As a fellow Howard alum, I'm going to guess that you, there's a, another mentor that you probably at least cross paths with that we share mutual, mutually, and that's Dr. Ron Walters. Oh, yes, yes. Now, what did he say? He, he accused us, see folks, that's what, when we say the vote don't matter, that's because some of us vote and then we go home and go to sleep. We don't follow up and organize like Holly's saying, that's 365 days a year, every year, not just election year. And what did Dr. Walter say, Holly? 
He said, too many of us, when our elected officials come in the room, genuflect rather than hold them accountable. I never, he say genuflect, we genuflect. We don't hold them accountable. And so what you just described is very important and key to us moving forward. No more genuflection. Yeah. But yeah. It's still, you still put God in it though. Yeah. God help them if they don't, <laughs> if they don't get it. God help them. You know, another thing he said that I quote all the time is, uh, and I'm probably not going to get it exactly, uh, but he who funds our politics funds our movement. So the other thing I think that's unique around this that you'll see is that we are funding ourselves. We didn't ask people to come and give us money. We didn't go to uh, the broader community and say, fund Black women so that we can do this. We said, we will do this on our own. We will stand on our own power and our own resources to get it done. And in fact, uh, we will help and contribute resources to you because we want to come from a place of power and not a place of weakness. And as Dr. Walters explained to us, money is part of that equation and particularly money in politics. And so I, I would be remiss and I'm going to give a shout out to my soror and sister within Black Women United about our fundraising effort. And uh, we're on a mission to raise over $250,000. And I think as of today, we're at around $230,000. So we right will now. definitely get there. And that was raised uh, for and by Black women um, because we are not just figureheads. As I said, this is a new day. We're not begging to be at the table. And as Dorothy Height would be famous for saying, they didn't give us a chair, but we brought our own. And then we let all the people in with us and they got their own too. So we're ready. Yeah. Amen. If so, since you mentioned that, if there are those who want to give themselves, what do they need to do? Is there a website they can go to? I am supposed to know the website and I don't know it. I'm flat footed. Star would kill me. Um, I will get you a website. Yes, there is a website we are collecting. Uh, we are working with the African American Leadership Victory Fund uh, because in addition to what's happening with Black women, Black people all over are giving it. And, if, and that's where I would direct you is the African American uh, Victory Fund for Biden-Harris. That's a great place to give to show your power and your strength. The African American Victory Fund for Biden-Harris. Win with Black women this week. The president of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote, Holly, Holiday, powerful conversation. You got Thank me fired up. I made me more optimistic. So let's do this. <laughs> You're wonderful, Holly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.